thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. With uh, the story before it of uh, the story of, of blind Bartimaeus, as it's referred to in, in another place, but a blind beggar receives a sight. It's what's over my uh, particular passage this morning. But as I look at that, as I look at this passage and read this passage and think about Zacchaeus, as you think about the story of, of the cross and the journey that Jesus is on, these two instances, although uh, in our fine planning we have uh, approached them backwards, um, these two instances really are the last kind of um, group ministry moments that Jesus has. Uh, if you go back and look at the other accounts uh, of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, and John, you, you get the sense that the, the healing of Barnabas, at least from a recorded idea is the last recorded miracle that we see Jesus make, uh, or Jesus have that kind of moment. And then his interaction with Zacchaeus is really kind of his last ministry moment, if you will, that he has with people other than those closest to him. He, he's going to go on, and of course, he's going to minister very much so to his apostles and his closest kind of group of friends as they uh, celebrate Passover together, and, um, and, then, and then the road to the cross just approaches uh, its end very quickly. And then we have the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, which gives us great and amazing hope this morning. But I want us, as we kind of are looking in that direction, I want us to spend time, because it kind of parallels with some things, uh, with at least a story that Jonathan shared with us last week, to look at these two stories uh, week, uh, weeks uh, together, uh, kind of back and back together. So let's, let's pick up our text here, and we'll start in verse 35 of Luke chapter 18. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Let's go to God in prayer as we dive into this passage this morning. God, we thank you for amazing story, this, this brief yet amazing moment as Jesus is walking toward the cross, as his, his eyes are set in that direction, we thank you for this moment of him stopping and healing this man so that we can be encouraged, so that our faith can be lifted, so that our faith can be strengthened, God. We are grateful for that. This morning, help us to open up our hearts and our minds as we study today. Help us to draw closer to you in this time. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So what are some lessons that we can kind of learn 
this morning from this particular passage. Well, these aren't going to be just real groundbreaking things, but things that I think will help us grow closer to God. The first is this. Faith is acting even when you can't see where you're going. Faith is acting even when you can't see where you're going. Um, It's been a long time since I've been uh, to Cracker Barrel, Uh, but Cracker Barrel is one of my favorite restaurants um, because it's just, you know, it's just old-fashioned food, you know, just good old-fashioned food. Now, I remember the one time that we took my great-grandmother to Cracker Barrel, she said it was the worst food she ever put in her mouth. And compared to the way she cooked, I completely agree with that. You know, if that's what she was used to, and she was a great cook. But Cracker Barrel is also, if, if you just stop and listen, one of the loudest restaurants. It is, there is so much clinking and clanking, and it, it is just a very loud restaurant. And, and if you just stop and listen, it can kind of be overwhelming. But, but let, me, let me ask you this morning, just, just listen for a second. Just listen for a second. What do you hear? What do you hear? Jonathan, what do you hear? I hear Kaysen, okay? Wally, what do you hear? Just listen. A baby, okay? What do you hear? Sin, what do you hear this morning? Heard babies. Um, how many of you heard babies? That's a good sound to hear, isn't it? Now, I want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes and listen. Other than babies, do you hear something you didn't hear before? Do you hear the rustling of the papers? Somebody is opening up candy somewhere. There's a lot of things that you hear. It's interesting to me that when you take a sense away, the others become stronger. And there are things that you hear that you'll hear in this room when you can't see and when you just close your eyes that you wouldn't normally hear and think of uh, was kind of in, in your presence. And I think about this blind man, and I think about a life of not being able to see. A life of not being able to see. You see, we, 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 well, what would you do if just all of a sudden you could not see anymore? Just all of a sudden, you could not. How upside down would your world become? It would become just just totally upside down because we are very visual people, aren't we? We're very visual people. Um, how many of you, other than maybe Will Haley, will buy a vehicle sight unseen? Okay, so Tammy will sight unseen. Just I'm not. I'm. I'm. You know, I had a good friend that he uh, he works. He's over the maintenance department of this company. Uh, he does all the maintenance on their vehicles. And his boss called him one day. He goes, Hey, he goes. I have found a great deal on the truck down in Louisiana. I want you to go down there and get it. I mean, great deal on this truck. We 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 got to buy this truck. We got to have this truck. Got down there and it had been flooded out during Hurricane Katrina. And they had to rent another truck because he bought the truck before they got down there, and they had to pull this tr- all this truck back. Um, but for most of us, how many of us, if we're going to buy something like that, if we're going to purchase something like that, what are we going to go do first? We're going to look at it, right? We're going to kick the tires. We're going to take it for a test drive. We want to be able to see that visual thing right there in front of us. I, I do... Um, 
Uh, I do real estate photography on the side. Real estate photography has become very important because now, instead of going to a house to see it for the very first time, where do people start looking for their houses now to start with? Online. You, they want to see that visual picture. Adriana told me that they looked at a house the other day and she said, she said the pictures online made that house look so much nicer than it really was. I said, that's our job. Our job is to get you to want to go look at that house as photographers. We're very visual people, which is why I'm sure the apostles probably had a little bit of a problem, and I think we would have too in the moment in the book of John where Jesus is walking, they're walking down the road, and Jesus looks at him and says, hey, I'm fixing to leave. I'm not going to be with you, but I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you my spirit. Do you, if, if you had to choose... If you were just honest and had to choose, I can have the Spirit of God dwell in me, or I can physically sit, look, and touch Jesus, which would you rather have? I think a lot of us would say, I would rather be able to look at, see, and touch Jesus. Why? Because we're very sensory-oriented. But Jesus says, it's better for you that I leave and send you this Holy Spirit. Why, why, am I, why am I talking about this? Because we live very much like the blind man. We live in a world and in a situation and in an environment where have we ever seen Jesus? No, we've never seen Jesus, not one time. There's never been a single time in our life that you or I have laid eyes on Jesus. And in that idea, in that idea, we can relate to Barnabas. Barnabas had never seen Jesus. But what, what does Barnabas have the ability to do? To what? May not be able to see, but he can what? He can hear. He can hear and he can listen. And I'm pretty sure that along the way, as, as a man that just kind of sat on the side of the road, you know, just kind of sat on the side of the road and listened, a lot of times you learn a lot more when you're listening than when you're talking, don't you? A lot of times you learn a lot more when you just sit back and listen than when you're talking. And it would not surprise me if there had been people that had told Barnabas, hey, this Jesus of Nazareth, he can heal you. He can make you see again. And so he had this moment that when he found out, when he heard that Jesus was coming by, what does he do? He steps into action. He allows his belief, his faith, his trust in what he's heard and what <coughs> he's witnessed through, through stories, maybe not seeing, but through stories. And he says, Jesus can do something for me, and I'm going to act on that fact. Now, let me ask you, how many of you this morning feel blessed by Jesus? How many of you feel blessed by Jesus? How many of you... <clears throat> can sit down and think about great prayers that you have prayed to Jesus and to God and through the Holy Spirit, and those things have been answered. Many of us can. Although we do not physically see Jesus, we see the presence of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in our life every day through answered prayers, through, through blessings, through relationships, and those things are given to us for a specific purpose. Those things are given to us to strengthen our faith, to make that faith grow, that even though I cannot lay my eyes on Jesus himself, I know that he is alive and active in my life. And because of that, that causes my faith to grow. I know that he is busy here in our church 
<coughs> that he is blessing our church, that he's causing our church to grow as we are seeking him. <coughs> Excuse me this morning. And so the question is this, as you look at this guy and you look at his life <coughs> and you look at how he's living, are you willing to step out in faith and, 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 and call for Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to know that Jesus can do great things in your life, even though you've never seen him? Are you willing to put that faith into action? And that's really what I see this guy doing first and foremost, most, is faith is acting. Uh, Hebrews says that faith is the evidence and substance of what we believe in. That's, that's kind of a condensed version. But our faith, our actions are the evidence and the substance that we believe there is a God and that he is blessing us and he is doing. That is how people see what we believe is by the way we act. So my question this morning to you as we think about this first idea, are you an acting Christian or are you a setting Christian is your faith is your faith shown in this building when you're sitting in the pews or is your faith shown when you walk out of this building and you're living your life it's great that you're here and I'm glad that you're here but Jesus calls us to more than church building Christianity he calls us to discipleship which is a life of action a life that that shows others through how we respond, how we live, how we how we um, deal with people, how we face situations. It is showing them that we believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. So faith is acting even when we can't see where you're going. Here's the next thing that I want you to think about with me for just a moment. Resist people who hinder your desire to follow Jesus. Resist people who hinder your desire to follow Jesus. I think for me, this is the most interesting part of the story because as you look at our, as you look at our story um, in verse, <coughs> no, in verse, so we'll just start back in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 39, those who what? You reading your Bible? Those who, what's that say? Those who led the way. Those who led the way. Who are these people in front of? Who are these people in front of? Jesus. They're, they're, but, but, but they're part of the group. I guess you could say they're following Jesus, even though they're kind of leading the way. They're, they're at the front of the group. And, and they are the protectors of the Messiah. Sounds like a Christian comic book series. The protectors of the Messiah. And there's this guy sitting on the side of the road, and he's probably dirty. He doesn't look like those that are following Jesus necessarily. <coughs> he looks like a hindrance probably because he's blind. He, he, he's needy. He, he, uh, he doesn't fit the mold of everybody else. He's going to slow things down. They're, they're on a mission. They're leading Jesus where he needs to go. And they look at the guys, he calls out to Jesus, and what do they say? Stop, hush, don't bother Jesus. 
Just, just sit back down, find your own business, and let us pass by and get to where Jesus is really needed. Of course, that's just kind of paraphrasing here. But it's interesting to me that this guy is seeking the Savior, and those that are following him are the ones that rebuke him. They're the ones that say, get away. They're the ones that say, Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with you. There's a couple of things that I want us to think about here for just a moment. And that is this. The first idea is as we, thank you, Neil, as we are cup of cold water. There you go. As we are living our lives, there may come a time where we have to let go of certain relationships. We have to let go of certain relationships because those relationships hinder our relationship with God. And that's a difficult time and place to find ourselves. It's difficult when I have to look at my relationships with people in this life and of this world, people that I love and people that I care for, and I have to realize, okay, if I continue in this relationship, they are going to hinder my growth and my intimacy with Jesus. And there may come a time in your faith that you've got to let those relationships go. You have to uh, not allow those people to hinder your desire to follow Jesus. Your desire to follow Jesus has to be greater than those relationships. And that's hard. And And I get that. And I know that. But the one thing that really jumps out at me is this. As a follower of Jesus... As a follower of Jesus, and by you being in this room this morning, I am going to assume for just a moment that there is part of you that considers yourself a follower of Jesus. We cannot be guilty of hindering other people's desire to follow Jesus. We can't. We can't. And and that's, that's a challenge sometimes because it's easy to look around a room and be like, well, this is what Christianity looks like. This is what Christians look like. This is what Christians do. And when someone is different than us and they have a different background than us and they come to Jesus from a different place than us and and different experiences than us, it's easy for us to become the the protectors of the Messiah and say, no, 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 you've got to stand at a distance. You you can't get in the middle of this because it's not what I'm used to. It's not what's normal. It's not what's comfortable. And I'm going to tell you, as we continue down a path of growth, those things will be challenged more and more in our church family. Um, You know what the most difficult part of growth is? The change that comes with it. The change that comes with it. One of the very first changes that comes with growth is you're going to walk in one day, and this is kind of the funny side of it that we talk about at times. One of the first things that's going to happen with growth is you're going to walk in one Sunday, and somebody's going to have your pew. Somebody's going to have your pew. They're going to be sitting in your seat. Now, not necessarily... You people up front, because most people aren't going to come up front and sit, you know. And uh, but but those of you kind of kind of in the in, in the back, you know, you're going to show up one Sunday, and somebody, Wiley, somebody's going to be sitting in your seat. How dare they sit in Wiley and Vicky's pew? 
How dare they? Do they not know that that is wild? Well, not wily, but Vicky's been sitting in that pew for 15 years, or this pew hadn't been here for 15 years. I don't know, but you, you all get, get, get where I'm going. Challenges come with growth, and we have to be careful. We have to be careful that when something new and different that we're not used to, especially people, come in to our family, that we don't become like the people in this story and hinder their growth, hinder their desire to follow Jesus. We have to do some soul searching in that way and be aware of those things as we move forward. So let's, let's not be those type of people. Here's the third thing. Jesus is never too busy to help you. Jesus is never too busy to help you. Well, you know, we, we talked, when we did our study on Revelation back um, several months ago, we, we've studied it in two different places. But when we did that study, we talked about the, the power of Satan and what it meant for Satan to be bound at this time and his power to be limited. And, and I don't think that Satan has near the power that he did during uh, the time of the Roman Empire and the time where, when Scripture was, was written for the very first first time. But one of the things that he does have the ability to do is plant great seeds of doubt, I believe, in your mind. And one of the seeds of doubt that, that I think that he plants in our mind is the question of, am I important enough? Am I important enough? I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of, of are they worthy? Are they worthy to be a child of God? Or are they just important enough? Does someone even, are they worthy to be cared about? Maybe they've lived a life that they've been ignored or they haven't had what they needed and, and different things. And it's easy to carry this idea that I'm not good enough. But I want you to know this morning that it doesn't matter how unimportant or useless you feel. Jesus loves you this morning. Amen? Jesus loves you. This morning, do you think that Barnabas felt useless? You think that Barnabas felt useless? A guy that sat on the side of the road and had to beg for everything that he had. I think he probably felt pretty useless. But Jesus said, hey, come to me. What, 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 what do you want? He acknowledged him. Jesus is on his way. We just mentioned at the beginning. Jesus is on his way where? Where's Jesus going? Where's the end destination of this journey? The cross. The cross. And this guy was important enough for Jesus to stop. I want you to know this morning that you are loved and wanted by Jesus. As a matter of fact, in, in 1 Peter, the very first verse, there, and I've shared this with you before, it's one of my favorite words in Scripture of, of, of late. Um, he says, to God's elect. And that word elect can be translated into three different words. It can be translated elect, which is used in that particular verse. It can be translated into the word chosen, to those chosen by God is another way that that can be translated. And then my personal um, favorite is it can be translated to the word favorite. So that verse can also be translated to God's favorite. 
He's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. And if you are a Christian this morning, I want you to know that Scripture says you are a favorite of God. How many of you have a, um, a sibling? How many of you come from multiple sibling families? You're not an only child, okay? How many of you there is a favorite child in that group of siblings? Okay, keep your hands. If there's a favorite child in your group of siblings, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Keep it up. Ha, 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 ha. If you are that favorite child, keep your hand up. All of my kids have their hands up. That is a win in my book. That is a win in my book. I was the favorite for eight years. Had a brother when I was four, had a sister when I turned eight. I was the favorite for eight whole years. I've not been the favorite ever since. Um, how do you know when there's a favorite child? You just know, don't you? You just know. Brighton, Adriana, you just know, don't you? Look at all the families. Matter of fact, just look around the room and look at all the children of God this morning. Look at all the children of God in this room. You are each God's favorite. And that should encourage you this morning. That should help you that if you feel useless, if you feel like, like there's nothing you have to offer, know this morning that Jesus is never too busy for you, that he cares for you, he loves you, and there is a place for you in this family. Here's the last thing. You must admit your need in order to be changed. You must admit your need in order to be changed. Jesus asked an interesting question. Jesus, Jesus has the ability to look at people and read their hearts, you know? So it, it doesn't... It, it would not surprise me if in this moment Jesus knew exactly when he looked at this guy what he wanted, what he needed. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But he still asked the question. He looks at this blind guy and he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He could have said a lot of different things, but he told him his ultimate need. He said, Lord, I want to see Lord, I want to see. Confession is a powerful thing, isn't it? This is a confession. What do you need? I'm going to confess to you that I want to be able to see. Sharing our needs are such an integral part of our journey. James talks about it, and he says, look, he says, confess your sins one to another. And, 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 and that's, that's an important, pray for one another, Paul talks about. It's important that we share what we need in our life. If I have a sin and I need to, 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 to get rid of that sin, part of, of getting forgiveness and part of the process of working through that is I have to talk about it. I have to share with someone. This is, this is a struggle that I'm having. This is something that I need help with. And in, in, our, in our culture, in our society, we're, we're really kind of encouraged to just a lot of times keep those things to ourself. Don't, don't share your struggles. Don't let people see your weaknesses. But Scripture says, look, you're not really going to change in your life until you say, this is what I need from Jesus. And my question to you this morning as we kind of wrap up our time together is, what do you need? If Jesus was standing right in front of you this morning, and he looked at you, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? Would you want him to make your life more comfortable? Would you want him to forgive you? 
Would you want him to heal a situation in your life? Would you want him to heal an illness in your life? I don't know what you need from Jesus this morning, but I want you to know that whatever it is you need from Jesus, he still has the ability to meet that need this morning. He still has the ability to meet that need. All you have to do is talk to him and ask and share. So our four points, faith is acting even when you can't see where you're going. Resist people who hinder your desire to follow Jesus. Jesus is never too busy to pause and help you, and you must admit your need in order to be changed. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for being with us today. I thank you for the love that you show us, the grace that you show us. I thank you so much for the mercy that comes from you. And God, this morning I know that there are many that have needs in this room, many that have struggles, many that have questions, many that are maybe even lost this morning, God. And so my prayer is that they will come to you searching and seeking, ready to change, ready to follow you, and that you'll look at them and ask them what their needs are, and they'll be ready to have those needs met. God, we pray for those who are not your children this morning. We pray for their souls that are lost, even though they're in the room and maybe have gone through all these different motions of worship, God. We know that without, without their baptism, without you filling them with the Holy Spirit, that their soul is in jeopardy of hell. And we pray for those souls this morning, God. We pray that you will convict their hearts, that you will touch them, that you will soften their hearts, God, and help them to see the changes that they need to make in their life so that they can open up their eyes and see you as their Savior. What an awesome thought, God. Be with those who may be struggling with sin, who may have uh, their focused just off-center, enough that they're focusing on the world and not on you, even though you still may be in their line of sight. You're not their focus, God. And I pray this morning that they refocus where they need to. Be with those who are just struggling, who are carrying burdens this morning. Help us to lift those burdens and carry them a ways for them. Thank you for your son's sacrifices and your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to join us again and until then remember we are a church of Christ caring for its community. This is inspired.